0: Well, good morning. I'm Colleen McFadden, and I hope you can see the sense is a little bit more casual than our, our mini-retreats have been, if you've been able to come to a mini-retreat, uh, this is sort of a workshop feel where we're going to be working together in the text. You're going to be working with a partner, talking to each other. Uh, so just roll up your sleeves, right? Get more food whenever you need to, because... We need the the physical nourishment uh, as we approach to get spiritual nourishment. Uh, if you don't have a Bible out in front of you, you you really do need one. Um, underneath, like go behind your chair underneath it, there is a Bible there. And I, um, you can use your phone if you have a phone, but I would say it could be helpful to have an actual paper copy because we're going to be looking at different parts of Scripture might be helpful that... You're not, yeah, you're not flip-flopping on that that electronic device. So we're going to give you a couple of tools today to study the Bible well. And in four weeks, we're going to do another one of these intensives, and we're going to give you a couple more tools. You don't have to attend the next one to understand these tools. And you all are here today, but if you have friends that couldn't come today, that wanna come next time, they'll still be able to get those tools as well. They don't necessarily need to have, uh, be built off one another. Um, but the three tools that we're gonna give you today, I'm gonna do a couple, and uh, Chrissy's gonna uh, give one of us two. Of those, this first one that we're gonna look at is, is really more of a conviction. It's more of a a perspective that we need to have as we approach the scriptures. How how are we going to approach it? As Shainu was was praying that um, the word is so valuable. It is more precious than gold. It is sweeter than honey. And I think we could all raise our hands and amens to that. But when we open it, it's not that... Smooth as honey, right? It's not that easy to read. Um, But I think we need to give ourselves to the hard work of study because there's something at stake if we don't study well. There is something at stake if we don't study well. And I'm going to introduce this just by way of a picture. If I can get there. All right. I may know what this is. I mean, not who the people are, but what's happening in the picture? He's swearing in, right? This gentleman is swearing in to a court of law, and he's putting his hand on the Bible, raising his other, and, and what is he saying? Do you all do y'all know the oath that you have to say when you're sworn in to a court of law? I, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth so help me God why is that so crucial that in a court of law that they take that oath that they're just going to say the truth why is that so crucial what's at stake if he didn't tell the whole truth or if he said something that wasn't the truth somebody could go to jail that's right or somebody could go free that shouldn't injustice that's exactly what happens there's injustice that happens um you're also uh liable of perjury yourself aren't you i mean it's one thing for the other person what's at stake for them but what's at stake for you is well you're liable of perjury i think we need to have the same sort of perspective when we come to uh the scriptures so this ...tool that this conviction, this perspective that we want to have is, we call it staying on the line. Meaning, there is a straight and narrow line of scripture, the truth and we want when we study it we want to understand the whole truth meaning we don't want to take away from anything that god says we want to understand the fullness of it we want the whole truth and we want nothing but the truth we don't want to add anything to this to, to the the truth of scripture we we don't we only want the truth we don't want anything more we don't want anything less we want that straight line of scripture This isn't just my idea, by the way. Scripture itself attests to this. So let's just look at two different passages in Scripture that speak to this. This is Deuteronomy 4, when Moses is speaking to the people of God. Can someone read this aloud for us? Can you all see it on the screen? Who can read that? Amy? Okay, so in these verses, what is Moses calling the people to do with the word? What is he? What is he asking them to do with the word of God, the the statutes and the rules? Follow them. To follow them, and how does he tell them to do that? Listen. To listen. Absolutely. Let me switch here. To you have to actually listen. So we have to actually read the words, <laughs> right? We have to read the words of God. What else does he want you to do with the these? Statutes and rules how does he want how does he want you to look at them? Say it again he, want, he wants you to live them that's what uh, that you may live I think that you may live right there that's what's at stake if we listen to the line of god's word and if we then Not add and not take away from it, but we listen to it as it's given. If we understand it well, then what's at stake, we may live. I am teaching you and you do them so that you may live. Let's look at one more example if that one wasn't as clear. There's another text in Revelation 22. Who can read that one aloud for us? Same idea about understanding what the word says. Who wants to read that for us? Mary? I vote everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in the book. If anyone takes away from the words, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the remote. So what are we called to do with the words? Or to hear them, right? And what else about hearing them? As we hear them, what are we to do with the words? Or what are we to not do with the words? We're not to add to them. I mean, this is obvious, right? I'm giving you easy ones to begin the day, right? We're still waking up. We're not to add to them, and we're not to take away from the words. This is important because what's at stake if we do either? What does it say? We lose our share in the tree of life, which means death, which means eternal separation from God, These, this is not what, how we want to, uh, that's not our end. I can't imagine anybody here that would say, timing it for that, like, I, yeah, I don't mind if I add or take away, no, this, in scripture itself, shows us what is at stake if we simply add some things in scripture or take away some things in scripture. In other words, it's trying to give us the foundational perspective and conviction that we need to, as much as possible, understand faithfully the words of God. We wanted to start with this tool, this principle, this conviction, because when Christy comes up and helps us understand the context of a passage, we're going to really want to figure out the context of that passage because we want to stay on that line of scripture. So here's the actual um, principle in sentence form for saying on the line. We must understand the meaning of scripture, never adding to it, and never taking from it. This is something that I try to repeat to myself every time when I'm reading scriptures. This is my conviction when I approach it, that I really want to understand what it says. I don't want to add to it, and I don't want to take away, because I know what's at stake. Um, any questions on this so far, just generally? We're going to work on some text examples. but Questions? Good? Okay, if I go, I I can draw our little picture here again of how we have a line and how we're tempted to add to it and how we're tempted to take away from it. Let me just give some quick examples of how we could do this. In Proverbs 20, it says... Wine produces mockers, alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. I could read that text and I could say no alcohol. No alcohol whatsoever. Alcohol is, uh, leads to mockers, it leads to fights, it leads to no wisdom. So I'm gonna say just generally no alcohol. Do you see how that's adding to scripture by me saying that? Why, do I, why am I saying I'm adding to scripture with that? Because can anybody interpret for me if that's a, a true thing that uh, I could say, God says you can't drink at all. It's not, explicit. it's not explicit. That's right. And the tools that we'll learn today and next time, we'll learn how, all right, it's not actually explicit. Now, should we drink to get drunk then? No, <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not saying we have liberties to take, but I think there's many ways that we could approach scripture. There are many ways that we could approach scripture and make rules that aren't actually there. We're, we're adding to what God has said. And I think there's ways that we can take away from what God has said. For example, um, In John 14, it says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How could someone um, take away from what God is saying there? Let me have any idea. I mean, I think we all understand what that verse means, but just pretend for a moment how you could uh, say less than what God is saying there. How you could interpret it, how you could understand that verse as less than what God is saying. I am. Go ahead. The, perhaps that Jesus isn't God even though Jesus says I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me maybe Jesus isn't God or maybe um, well that's, that's your Jesus but you know I have this other way that I can do it I know you can get to Jesus through you can get to the Father through Jesus but I can get there through, through, through another avenue but that's not actually what the word says no one comes to the Father except through me Right? See how quickly we can take away from what God is saying. Why don't we turn to an example together so we can see this in action in Scripture? Why don't you turn to Mark 7? And this is on—if you have the Bible that was underneath your chair, it's on page 842. Mark 7, page 842. Our church just finished a series in Mark. um, Well, actually, it was. We finished it on Easter, didn't we? So maybe it's been a couple months. But uh, maybe this is somewhat fresh in our brains. Um, thinking about Mark 7. This is an example in scripture of religious people, people who fear God, who miss the line, who don't look for the true understanding of what God's word is. And we're going to see what's at stake with this. Okay, so... Um, why don't we read it aloud together, actually, first? it's We're just going to take the passage from, starting in chapter 7, verses 1 to 13, is what we're going to look at, um, the, the whole part. But just so we don't get lost in all the details, let's just start with the first five verses. And um, I'll have somebody read, it, read the first five verses aloud. But as they read it aloud, I want us to be listening for... Um, Ways that perhaps these religious people are adding to what God is saying or taking away from what God is saying. In other words, they're not doing what God has said. Um, Who can read that for us? Want to do it, Cheryl? Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, right here, are they more likely to add to Scripture or to take away from it? What would you say? They're more likely to add, aren't they? So how are they adding? What are they saying? Just shout out what you see there. Ritual, clean hands. What verse you see that in? That's one. were were They were unwashed. What verse do you see that in? What, what verse do you see that in? Two, actually, sorry, two, first two, um, so, in verse 2, they saw that their hands were unwashed. And then they talk more about that later down in 4. They do not they are washed. Yeah, even in verse 3. Yeah. Um, for all the Pharisees and the Jews, the religious people, the God fearers they don't eat unless they wash their hands properly. Now, should we wash our hands? Do we teach our kids to wash our hands before? <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. Wash your hands. But I think they're. Making that a little bit different uh, meaning there of understanding you know, we, how we have to wash our hands. There's a specificness to, my, at least my version here in verse 3 says, wash their hands properly, right? Okay, so the washing of hands is one way that they've added to scripture. What else? What else do you see? Mary? They're, they're holding to the traditions of the And what does that mean, holding to the tradition of the elders? It's made up by the elders, elder generations that decided this was a good thing. That's right. It's not necessarily from the Word of God. You know, there is something to traditions that um, are helpful. You know, there are certain guidelines that are good to live by. But the second that we make those into uh, or on the same level as Scripture, that's where we can go wrong. That's where we can really go wrong. What else do you see? Maybe down to verse 4. Washington. That's so weird. They're washing couches, right? That's <laughs> right. I mean, to our minds, we're, this is so obvious, isn't it? That they're washing couches before they eat. They're, wa- they're. I mean, granted, yeah, we have to wash cups and pots and copper, but, but if you knew this time and the way that they were going about all of this washing and cleansing before that they could eat, you could quickly see that they're adding to the rules. Um, what God has had for them. Well, okay, let's move on to the next few verses then and see how Jesus responds. So we've got another question here for us. For verses six to eight. What's Jesus' response? Who can read verse six to eight aloud? Who wants to do that? Chrissy? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy to you hypocrites as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching the doctrines and commandments of men you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men so how does he feel about them and their interpretation how does he feel about what they're doing as it relates to them adding to what God has said in his word you're valuing man's word over God's word, you're man's word, over God's word. yeah he calls them hypocrites, calls them hypocrites right which is absolutely valid. It's absolutely valid. Um, it's interesting, the valuing of, of man's word over God's word, because Shina was just reading Psalm 19, saying that the word is the most precious and expensive thing that we have, and yet we so often consult man. Uh, one just way that this works out in our lives, i know it works out like this in my life, is when I want to understand... Um, Let's just take a topic like suffering. When I want to understand suffering and what God thinks of suffering and how I should think of suffering as a Christian, I think the first thing that God wants me to do is actually look to what He says about it, right? But it's so much easier if I can just pick up a book on suffering that somebody else has written and they've already worked through all the text to figure it out and make applications. And, you know, it's just so much easier to do that. But that's me taking man's word perhaps over God's word. True, I would choose a book where someone is valuing God's word. Yes, but I think God wants us to go direct to His word. What does He say about it? I, I, I think, um, I think otherwise. Jesus would, He would say, "Why are you valuing man's word over God's word?" Right. Well, then what? now actually happens to the line of scripture that's our last question on here from verses 9 to 13 what happens to scripture in general um what 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 does uh jesus say verses 9 to 13 who can read those verses for us shiny So uh, what does Jesus say happens to Scripture when they're adding and making additional rules that are not really there? What does it say in the text there? What That they've actually rejected it. Where do you see that? Is that in verse 9? They've rejected the commandment of God. So they've rejected it. So what ha- then what happens to Scripture? Makes it void. Right? Do you see that in verse 13? The fact that they do these things. The fact that they... Um, add to what it says the fact that they just reject it altogether. in verse 13 you thus make void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down that's what's at stake that's what's at stake when we attempt to approach scripture and just think whatever we want to think about it instead of doing the hard work of study we actually totally negate it we don't even need it anymore because we have other things that we would want to put forward as the way to live. Now this isn't, this Mark 7 passage, it's really easy for us to say those Pharisees. Of course, we know that they're the people that always got it wrong. But this isn't the first time in human history. The Pharisees are not the first people who have gone off the line of scripture. Off, They're not the first people who have heard a word from God and added to it or taken away from it or gone wrong with what God has said. Where's the first time in human history that someone had a word from God and messed it up? Eve in the garden, right? Why don't we go there? Why don't we take a look at how that worked out? This is Genesis 3. So go all the way back to the very first pages of the Bible. In Genesis... One, we see God creating the heavens and the earth with a word right he speaks it into creation and then in Genesis 2 he actually he gives a specific command a specific word for how man is to live specifically in the garden right um, who knows where that word is in Genesis 2 what, what's 'Cause if if we're tracking here, we're thinking about how Eve went off of what God said. Well we need to actually establish what did God say. So who knows in Genesis where it happens in Genesis two that God gives a word that eventually they go off of. Who knows where that is? You want to read it aloud for us? Mary? Okay, there's our line for us. It's Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. They know exactly what they need to do, right? It's very clear. You can eat from any tree except one. There's one that you can't eat. And then there's a consequence. There's a what's at stake if you decide not to follow this, right? What's the at stake part of not following the word? Death, you shall surely die, right? So we have a command and we have a consequence. Well, this goes bad. And it goes bad with a conversation between the woman and the serpent. So how about you now get together with a partner. So instead of doing this together as a group, why don't you just get get into it together. Look at verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The question is up here. And ask the question, how do the serpent and Eve... Either go above the line by adding to what God has said, or how do they go below the line? How do they take away from what God has said? Just look at those first six verses there, um, and just with a partner, or if you need to do three, that's fine too. But don't do your whole table, because I really want people to talk about this, right? So um, how do they go, how do they add to scripture or take away from what God has said? Got it? Why don't we come back together then and share with one another what we found. And if you haven't gotten through all the verses, we'll learn from some others who have, right? So what are ways that the serpent and Eve have either added to what God has said or taken away? You take either, either person and either, either way. What are some options? Katie. okay so in verse 1 the serpent says to the woman did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden so what what, what would you say that that is is it adding so the serpent is saying any tree now is that what God said because we want to go back to the line right we need to check this against the line so is that what God said you can't eat of any tree no what did he say
1: You you
0: can eat of every tree Except one. But the serpent turns it like totally around. He's like, you can't eat of any tree? Like why is God putting all these restrictions on you? You know, why why do you say you can't drink any alcohol at all? I mean it's fine. I like what that's ridiculous. Okay, what's another way that either of them have added or taken away? Great. So in verse 3, she actually says, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree. She's correcting uh, the serpent here. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And you're saying she adds to what God says by saying don't touch, right? Now, this is interesting because the don't touch part. Now, if if you are, um, you know, Halloween's coming up. Gonna be a lot of candy around, and you've decided you are not gonna do sugar. You're not gonna do the. You're not gonna get sucked in to that. You know, cultural war of e- having candy all over the place, and because you don't want to eat it. Well, now. If, you, if your kids bring candy home and you have it sitting in a bowl on your counter and every day that you see it, that you walk by it and you just kind of rub it. I mean, obviously, you're not going to do that to yourself. You're not going to tempt yourself. I think she's right on to say, don't, let's not touch it. You know, let's, like, we're not supposed to eat it. So let's not, you know, admire it and let's just stay away from it. But where she went wrong was she said... God said it. That's where she went wrong. It's fine to have some principles like, yeah, I need to stay away from that. But she put that into God's mouth. And it's not what God said. It's this slippery slope that she's on when she's adding or taking away, right? Okay, what's another way that they either added or took away? God didn't actually say that you'll be like God. That's right. Um, Yeah, there. He's um, he's trying to show, in a sense, that um, God's holding back from you, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wow. And I feel that. When I feel like God's holding back, then I don't always want to follow Him. I see that. Yeah. What's another way? Maybe. Maybe. How did they take away from what God has said? The serpent said, you won't die. What verse is that in? It's in verse 4, and he's just very explicit. Um, But the serpent said back to the woman, because she says, you're going to die. But the serpent says, you're not going to die. And what do we know happens? They die. We die. Everybody dies. So he's just totally negating. I mean, we could be very subtle about this, or we could just be really blatant about it. Like, he just wants to tell them, that's not going to be your end. You're not going to die. Um, what was needed at this moment to prevent this from happening? Go back to God's word. You need to go back to God's word and see what it actually says. Eve and the serpent needed to go back to God's word and see what it says. The thing is, who was the word given to? Back in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, who was the word given to? It was given to Adam, wasn't it? Was Eve around? Was Serpent around? No, it was Adam that was there. It was only Adam. Eve hadn't even been created yet. It was just Adam. Well, in verse 6 of chapter 3, where was Adam when all this was going on? When this conversation about what did God say? Did he say this? Did he not say that? Where was Adam? He's right there. (laughs) He's right next to her. Friends, we have discipleship groups that we meet in and Sunday sermons where we sit next to friends and things are said and we've heard the word and yet we're not doing anything about People adding or taking away, and even for ourselves, we have—we have. Everybody has this, and if you don't have one of these, just go to your underneath and take one of those. Right? Is that okay, Shainu? <laughs> but yeah, they can take the Bible with them. Yeah, I, I, I'm saying we've been given the Word. We have the Word. We have no excuse, Amy. I don't want to be a stickler. But yeah. Can, there's nothing to indicate that was standing right there. So. Ah, okay. So let's look at verse six. So when, women, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she, that's okay, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. No, I should have read it aloud. Yeah, that's how, it's, it's a good clarification to make. <laughs> that you should. Well, you know what's really helpful about that is she wants to stay on the line, right? Well, where does it actually say that? Does it say that? He was right there. He was right there with her. He heard this whole conversation happen. He did nothing about it. And what's at stake? Okay, we've already said it, that, you know, you could die. But what else? What do we see? You didn't read these verses, but they could be familiar to some of us. Ver, you know, uh, verses 7 and following, what's the result of this um, not staying on God's word? There's shame. They're There's shame, They're embarrassed. They're put out of the Garden of Eden, which means their separation with God. They're cursed. And this curse has lasted until today and will continue. I mean, this this is what's at stake when we're not um, faithfully coming to the Word, wanting to understand what God has said. Like, what did God really mean by the fact that I couldn't eat from this one tree? Well, he meant you couldn't eat from that one tree. That's what he meant. And that's pretty clear and explicit. But when we approach like Ecclesiastes <laughs> it's always not so clear, right? It's not so clear to know what what is the main point of that text and how does that what is it what difference does that make in my life? I mean, our pastors have a big job to do that every single Sunday to go through passages and try to figure out what it says to stay on the line of scripture but they put the hours in and as people that um, study the word for ourselves we should put the hours in to understand it lest we die like Eve says lest we die questions on this on the Genesis 3 passage or just generally on this concept this perspective that we want to have Mary? Um, throughout Scripture, will you always find something about the one? That's a good question. So, the passages that I picked out in Mark 7 and Genesis 3 were demonstrations for us to see how humans have gone off the line of Scripture, right? But that's not what every story is going to be about, of people like, I mean, people do consistently misinterpret God's word within that. We, we see that happening, how the Israelites fail to follow God's law. And well, we'll talk a little bit about exile uh, in with Christie's talk. But um, this is more to come at it for us today. How, how are we looking at God's word and approaching it so that we can attempt as with these tools that we're going to gather, uh, that, that we're going to put in our toolkit and our tool belt, um, that we would give ourselves to studying hard so that we don't do what Eve did or we don't do what the religious Pharisees did or... Does that answer it? Other questions? Or just impressions about this or... In the that they were yes, Genesis 3-7, yeah. Yeah. Seeing good and evil, So like God said, and it was good, and pertained to everything, including the nakedness, and now they can see a possibility that it might not be good, even though it's
1: a lie. Right.
0: That's like, the, that's like what it is to humanist to not believe, to suppress Yeah. to not believe God is the reality of yeah. the curse. Right, so Our eyes can see a different way, yep. That's it's not true or real, but we're still open to it. That's a great word. And- the person that did that, or person, animal, being, spiritual, whatever, in chapter 3, verse 1, was the serpent. Um, when he said, did God actually say this? Right, where he's where he's um, questioning whether God is good in that respect. Did he actually give you this command? Well, and then later, of course, he's saying, um, well, God knows that your eyes are going to be open and you're, you're going to be like him. Like, why would God hold that back from you? So he instilled that right and that's now how we approach it you're right that's how we approach scripture is it good is it right is it helpful for me is it yeah other impressions observations questions Are good questions to ask um which it'd be fun to have a conversation about that in the break yeah no no that I mean that's I mean if that's if that's the case then why didn't he even make us why didn't even let us continue to live why didn't he just wipe us out in the flood like why 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 right so many whys which the answers are all found in here <laughs> right yeah okay well this uh tool, principle, conviction, perspective is meant to set us up for the rest of what we're going to hear today and what we're going to learn in November in four weeks. That I I wanted to, well we, Christy, Shainu, and I wanted to have a start with, well this is important. This is really crucial that we give ourselves to really understanding the word well. And I I think we're going to find that it's hard. I mean the Bible is literature and it's a lot of different kinds of literature and I myself personally I'm not literature driven you know I I just don't naturally like this type of stuff but I love Jesus and I want to learn about him and he's in this book and so I have to learn some skills to get me there so some of us here are going to probably jump on this train right away and others are going to be like me and have to be carried along by some others, right? Um, well, why don't I pray um, to end us? We'll take a, a quick stand-up break, get food break, and then Chrissy will give us another tool. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that is um, life to us. Uh, we have life in hearing the words of Scripture because they tell of your son, Jesus Christ, and in him we have life. God, would you help us um, to recognize what's at stake when we misinterpret, misunderstand your word, and that you would give us wisdom and by your spirit, help us to come to the true understanding of what you have said, never adding to what you've said and never taking away, but really staying true to the line of scripture, the understanding that you want us to have. We trust that you'll do this by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, take five minutes, and if you need to use the restroom, there's more food, and Christy will come up with our next tool.